Willkommen, bienvenue, konnichiwa. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again. This is episode 168 on Sunday the 17th of January. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Ben. And I'm Armish Matt. And this week we're doing a deep dive on vitamin D with Dr David Grimes. Welcome to the show, David. Good evening. Very nice of you to invite me. It's uh, oh, you're more than welcome. It's uh, it's a bit of a privilege, really, to have someone with your level of experience in a given subject. Uh, yeah. To be able to spend an hour and go through things in fine detail, we like detail and getting deep into subjects. So, um, yeah, I've been really looking forward to this since I saw you on Ivor Cummings' YouTube channel. Um, I've been really looking forward to this. So, and um, I live quite close by. I live in Lango in the River Valley. That's which is not, which I think is quite close to where you are. Yeah, yes, uh, my neck of the woods, David. Yeah, good. Um, I was saying in, I was saying in our, in our email exchange, I thought. A, maybe a good useful place for us to start for for people listening is if you could give us sort of um, a bit of an overview of your professional background and your research and just give people an idea of where you're coming from really yeah sure i'll do that i'll do that basically what i am um i was i was born in salford in um, 1943 which is an awful long time ago judging by the ages of you Ages, ages ago. And I attended Manchester University between 1961 and 1966. And I underwent medical training in the hospitals in Manchester, mainly the Manchester Royal Infirmary, did a couple of years in London. And after training in Manchester, I became a consultant physician in Blackburn in 1977. And I worked there as a consultant until 2013, when at the age of 70... I thought I'd done my bit. That was the time to retire. Now, during that time was there, now, I was involved in general medicine and a lot of acute medicine, but also gastroenterology, diseases of the stomach and intestine. But I developed a research interest into vitamin D as I realised that vitamin D was the key to so much. And my research in vitamin D started about 1990. I produced a research thesis, an MD thesis, in 1993. And a book followed in, in 2009, a large, chunky book called Vitamin D and Cholesterol, The Importance of the Sun. The cholesterol comes into it because cholesterol and vitamin D are very closely related. But what we hear about cholesterol in the media and in medicine as a whole is a lot of complete nonsense. It would be best if people forgot they'd ever heard the word cholesterol. Okay. But never mind, that's another story. And then um, the pandemic hit us in 2020, and that rekindled my interest in vitamin D, and that led to another book being produced with a, a colleague, David Anderson, um, Vitamin D Deficiency and COVID-19. And that was 
that was produced in uh, July, I think it was, it was finally published. And already, it's hopelessly out of date, because so much has happened during the year. So the plan now is for us to write another book. The problem is finding the time to do it, because things are moving so quickly, and there's so much research knowledge coming into play. I hasten to add that that research knowledge seems to be completely ignored by the government and the government advisors. Mm. And this is tragic. We don't really hear anything of value from the government and its advisors. Everything that's valuable about vitamin D is available only on social media. And that's where I tend to um, put my, most of my work, like you say, with Ivor Cummings. Yeah. So there we are today, trying my best to spread the word about vitamin D and its value, whereas there's silence from the government and its advisors. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, government policy might be something we'll get in towards the end because there's quite a lot to go over there. But um, yeah. so, I mean, you've over about 30 odd years of research just into this specific subject. Um, you mentioned before about maybe doing a bit of a presentation and going yeah. through some of this research with us and some of the latest updates. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, there's no time like the present. I think we should. Uh, dive in yeah. I don't want to be boring in giving a presentation but I could just talk but when people just talk it tends to be boring and it's far better to see images photographs pictures which means so much more picture paints a thousand words <laughs> at this moment I will switch on I will um, share my screen and you will see what I have to offer brilliant Here we go. Now, you should now see my interest. Why some people are more sick and die earlier than others. Yep. It comes down to the sort of equation of understanding that the cause of a disease plus susceptibility to it results in the disease. And we have to look at two things, cause and susceptibility. And this is true now. The cause is COVID-19, the susceptibility is vitamin D deficiency. If the two go together, we get disease. We don't just get disease, we get death. If we get COVID-19 as the cause, and we've got lots of vitamin D in our body, then we don't get ill. It's quite as simple as that. Mm. Let's move on. One thing about the present time is that we've all been really, really healthy. This is looking at life expectancy in the world. Um, it used to be about 35 years average life expectancy. But that was happened since 1920 and since 1940. Life expectancy has shot up, not just in Europe and America, but also in Africa and Asia. The orange in the middle shows the, the world average. Right. So that's an enormous benefit. If you look a little bit more at this country, we can see the number of people reaching their 100th birthday. Well, it wasn't very many. Well, it was about 2,000, perhaps. It wasn't less than that. It's about 200 um, per year in, in uh, 1965. But it's absolutely shut up. Mm. Women are doing better than men. And women are in blue... And they are really shot up the number of living to the age of 100. 
but the yellow is the men. And really, we're pretty hopeless. I think the main reason for that is that men are stupid inherently. Men <laughs> do stupid things. That's why they die younger, because of stupidity, <laughs> not because of illness. <laughs> the way they drive the cars and the motorbikes, the way they do dangerous sports, etc. These are all the reasons for, for men landing behind the women. <laughs> women are taking over the world. Now, we're very healthy at the moment. We do have a, live in an age of anxiety, meaning that we do all tend to, people do tend to worry too much about health. But the age of anxiety proved to be correct when we hit um, March last year. So I've put the date, March the third month, the 20th day. And in March, mid-March, suddenly we started, people started dying from COVID-19. And here we can see the deaths. Suddenly it came from nowhere and it shot up to a 1,000 a day. When it was a total of 258 deaths, the government introduced lockdown. Now, whether or not it was effective is not for me to judge, but I don't quite honestly see a lot of sign of um, effectiveness at that time. But what was effective is what happened subsequently to, to, uh, after mid-April. Because then we now look at the whole year, the whole of 2020, Deaths per day starting in on the 20th of March. We can see the rise in deaths going up um, into April, mid-April. And then the deaths came down and down and down. And during August, there were very, very few deaths. But come the autumn, the deaths have increased again to 1,000 a day. And these are, these are sorry, David, these are just COVID-19 these are COVID-19 deaths, not total deaths. Right. I should have made that more clear. Thank you for interrupting. Uh, interrupt any time you want anything to clarify. Super. Yeah, these are COVID-19 associated deaths. And we can see that there's an interruption of deaths during the summer. The deaths stopped. And this is the time of vitamin D production. We produce vitamin D in our skins between the spring equinox and the autumn equinox, which was about here. And then we have reserves of vitamin D which lasted into the winter but unfortunately not right through the winter. So this shows the power of the sun. This is the summer. You say, well, all sorts of things happen in the summer but the summer is the sun. The sun and the sun. The sun and the summer are synonymous basically. And the way the sun affects the human metabolism is via vitamin D. Move on. <clears throat> vitamin D deficiency causes or predisposes to a number of conditions. Firstly, bone disease, rickets and stimulation. And it's been known for a long time that tuberculosis is particularly common in people with vitamin D deficiency. Wow. And infections in general, such as COVID-19. But also coronary heart disease, stroke, Parkinson's disease, both types of diabetes obesity and some cancers are clearly associated with vitamin D deficiency. It is a big problem. It's more of a problem than just COVID-19. Now, to give some idea of, uh, of its importance in COVID-19, we have here a study from Chicago. 
20,000 people had blood tests of vitamin D um, before this one, in, in 2019. So they were followed up in 2020 when the pandemic started. And this shows the relationship between the likelihood of getting COVID-19, 13% of the top, and the blood levels of vitamin D as shown on the bottom. So with low levels of vitamin D in the blood, there's a high proportion of people um, got COVID-19 infection. But as the, as the amount of vitamin D goes up in the blood, then fewer people get COVID-19. Wow. How, how many, how, sorry, David, to jump in again. How, yeah. many, how many people roughly are we talking about with this study? Uh, that's in about 20,000. 20,000? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. And, that, and this is predictive. Yeah. People say, oh, associations don't matter. But this is predictive. It's like predicting death from lung cancer, knowing how much, how many cigarettes people smoke each day, for example. Hmm. Now, on the bottom, we can see what is the ideal range of vitamin D, between 40 and 60 nanograms. My level is 60, I'm glad to say. So I feel comfortable and well-protected. Yeah. Now, there's an awful lot of vitamin D deficiency. Study in Germany a few years ago, and almost 90% of people were deficient in vitamin D. If we look at this again, this is the normal range. Now, it's shown here as 100 to 150, because we now change units to nanomoles. But this is the ideal range. And so it's about 95% of people who are now deficient in vitamin D. It's a very serious problem. Yeah. Does it matter? Well, here we can see. This is the usual units of nanograms per mil. Those with the highest levels, most of them had no symptoms. Right. And a few, the odd one, got into the intensive care unit and was ill. And the ones with the lowest levels of vitamin D, very few had no symptoms. And most of them, more than 50%, had to be admitted to ICU. You know, which group would you rather be in? The group that's <laughs> going to ICU or the group that's going to have no symptoms? Yeah. I know which group I'd rather be in, and I know that I'm actually in that group, and I've had no symptoms. Similar, this is from Iran. Um, blood levels of vitamin D. In people who've got COVID-19 infection, people who die, much lower levels, and in people who weren't ill at all, have the highest levels of vitamin D. And that 30 is the cutoff point. Above 30, you're safe. 40 to 60 is excellent, but above 30, you're pretty safe, as in those controls. Right. Below 10, you're very likely to die. And below 20, you're going to be ill. So, again, which group do you want to be in? The ones who aren't ill, the ones who are a bit ill, are the ones who die. And it's all predicted by the vitamin D level. Um, I'm just going to go now to... Um, to Cordoba in Spain. 75 patients with COVID-19 pneumonia admitted to hospital and they all received high-quality standard care, okay? Yeah. 25 just received high-quality standard care, fine. And of those 25, half of them, 13, half of them, 
nearly go to the intensive care unit, and two of them died. Sad, but there we are. Mm-hmm. Um, two deaths out of 25 is perfectly reasonable for high-quality standard care. But 50 patients were randomised, randomly allocated, to receive calcifidiol, which is an active form of vitamin D that I'll come back to shortly. 50 patients receiving vitamin D in its activated form, only one needed intensive care, that's 2%, and there were no deaths. So the need for intensive care went down from 50% to 2%. That is dramatically effective, 96% efficacy, um, as it is. The cost of it. Well, it, the treatment given was five capsules of calcifidiol, two on admission and one on each of three subsequent days. That's five capsules, 266 micrograms. The cost is 10 euros. That's all it costs, 10 euros, to prevent an intensive care admission and very likely a death. Vitamin D itself costs about £10 for a one-year supply. I'll skip that for now. No, I won't. I'll go on to it. The NICE assessment, NICE is our body called the National Institute for Clinical Excellence. Hopeless. <laughs> and it denies, it denies all this evidence. It says there is no evidence. Well, he's looking at it with his eyes closed. If you don't open your eyes, you don't see the evidence, basically. And they're denying the evidence and not quoting what they should have quoted. A commentary by this guy. He said that in this Calcifidial study in Spain, he says the Calcifidial patients were deliberately kept out of the ICU. Well, to, to make the numbers look good. In which case, why there were no, no deaths? Certainly, going to the ICU isn't the cause of death. What? He said the clinical management should not be changed based on the drug system. What, this is what, irresponsible. What on earth would motivate the doctors to do something like that? I mean, that would be criminal, wouldn't it? I, I agree with you. I think this is criminal negligence. I agree with you. And it, someone is going to be taken to task for this. We've had four, almost 45,000 deaths have occurred since that court of a trial became available. Wow. We're talking about something which looks face value to be very, very effective, and it is perfectly safe. And it costs 10, it costs 10 euros, I ask you. Mm. I agree. It, it strikes me as, clean, as negligence. Um, we could have done some more research. The government said, more research needed. The government said, sorry, there's no funding available, and that is irresponsible. And NICE cannot be directly challenged. Well, something happened on the 17th of December. Right. NICE published a new document. This is double speak. This is fantastic. <laughs> While there is insufficient evidence to recommend vitamin D for the prevention or treatment of COVID-19 at this time, meaning while we're having 1,000 deaths a day, we encourage people to follow government advice on taking the supplement throughout the autumn and winter period. Now, I've been searching my brain to try and work out the difference 
between to recommend and to encourage. To my mind, recommending and encouraging are the same thing. But what has happened is the government has stepped outside nice, and Matt Hancock has decided to give um, COVID-19, give vitamin D to the population. Right, that's a recent development, isn't it, in the last week or two, I think, was it? Yeah, that's right. Yes, it is. Absolutely. So Matt Hancock has said, we're, not, we're going to ignore you nice, I'm afraid, and I'm going to step outside and give vitamin D supplements. Mm. The problem is, how does this encouragement get into the public domain? How is we encourage people? Nice, nice has given no encouragement at all, apart from the statement. So it's, it's all, again, it's all negligence. We encourage people to take vitamin D supplement. Well, what are they doing about this encouragement? Nothing. Where are we on to now? There's a big detail study, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, detailed evaluation of the Cordova trial. They found no significant fault with the method, a one in a million probability of a chance result, and a one in 600,000 probability of risk factor differences. That is, for example, obesity having a significant effect. So that is a sensible review. Mm. In The Guardian on the 25th, 25th of July, if we can do anything to save lives, we should do it. Well, we're not doing. We're not doing anything in respect to vitamin D, and it's just disgraceful. So we now finish up with the idea, quite rightly so, that care homes should give vitamin D to residents this should have happened in March. All the knowledge was in place in March, and this is when it should have happened. Now, it has happened in Andalusia, in southern Spain. And in Andalusia, in southern Spain, we have the peak of Ill hospital admissions in March, April. Coming down in May, nature, the sun, brings about a respite. We come up in the autumn, and on the 9th of November, the regional government said to the doctors, give everyone vitamin D. And they did. Vitamin D initiative, what happens? It all comes down. The same happened with ICU admissions. Comes down with vitamin D, vitamin D initiative. And deaths per day in Andalusia. Coming down following the initiative down to that point was two in the day. From 60 a day to two in a day within a period of about six weeks. Absolutely dramatic. Right. Look at it in another way. This starts on um, the 1st of November, going through December until early January. And here we can see, during the Vitamin D Initiative, deaths dropped dramatically. Uh, David, have they have they compared Andalusia to other areas of Spain that haven't introduced this initiative? I've not seen that done, but I think the message is getting across throughout Spain. Yeah. The message is getting across anyway. Mm. And I was reading a, a little while ago, and the big problem is that we're going to run out of vitamin D. Oh, God. Believe it or not. And this could have been foreseen in March, April. Most vitamin D is used for animals. 
um, for cattle in particular, which are kept indoors. Right. Where we get vitamin D from is from sheep. It's from sheep's wool, mainly in Australia and New Zealand. And when the sheep are sheared, the wool is oily, and the oil is dissolved off with a solvent. And it's then sent to China, where the vitamin D is extracted from it. Because what happens with with herbivore um, furry animals is that they produce vitamin D in the the skin and they lick it off and they get it by licking their own skin. Carnivore animals have to um, eat vitamin D in the form of smaller animals. But sheep's wool is is the source of vitamin D and there isn't enough of it being produced for the world population. Wow. That's a story that's going, to, that's going to come out in the newspapers very shortly. Mm. But Andalusia is the only place where that has happened, that decline has happened. And if you look at the UK, the numbers have gone up to over 1,000 a day. You know, that, that, sorry about those silly numbers on the left. I didn't adjust the graph. The numbers have gone up to over 1,000 a day. Yeah. And that's what's been happening over all of Europe. But I've not seen any comparative studies of Andalusia with the other regions of Spain. Mm. I've not been able to locate that. Now, what happens is that the skin produces a chemical, an oil, called 7-dehydrocholesterol. And the ultraviolet light from the sun converts that into vitamin D, otherwise known as calciferol. Now, that doesn't really matter. The point is, this is what happens. This happens in sheep, and it happens in us. It doesn't happen in the elderly. Elderly dry skin is dry. When you come across the elderly, you'll find out they have thin, dry skin. They don't produce this oil, and therefore they do not produce vitamin D. The example is here. We can see exposure to the sun. Young people, a vigorous response of vitamin D production following exposure to the sun. In the elderly, it doesn't happen. All old people are deficient in vitamin D unless they take it by mouth as a supplement. Right. What, what sort of age does it start dropping off, David? Um, over the age of eight, you might say. Right. So I, I'm getting that way. <laughs> but I think my skin is still a bit oily anyway. Okay. Incidentally, vitamin D itself is very good for the skin. Right. That's, that's, that's an important thing in itself. Clothing and melanin. Melanin is nature's sunscreen. Melanin is what makes dark pe- dark-skinned people dark. Melanin absorbs ultraviolet light. Clothing absorbs ultraviolet light. With, clo- with extensive clothing with a dark skin, Ultraviolet light does not produce vitamin D and vitamin D in any significant way. Right. And we can see that here. Without sunscreen, with sunscreen. Now, this is, for example, the sunscreens that we buy. But don't forget, melanin is nature's, the dark, darkness in the skin is nature's natural sunscreen. Mm-hmm. So, and also, if we're indoors, now we spend most of our days indoors. We go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we come home at 6 o'clock in the evening, for example, in the summer, well, 
before eight in the morning and after six in the evening, the sun isn't strong enough to produce vitamin D. So again, for various reasons, we become short of vitamin D. Another thing that happens is this. Vitamin D, I'm sorry to use chemical names here, but they're not complicated. Vitamin D has to be activated by the liver, a very slow process, but it becomes, we call it 25-OHD, the other name for which is calcifidiol. And I've used that word before in respect of the clinical trial in Cordoba. Calcifidiol is the part-activated form of vitamin D. And it's that that circulates in the blood. Now, vitamin D as calcifidiol, it activates immunity cells. It creates something called calcitriol, which really makes things happen. It switches on defensive immunity, and it switches off the cytokine storm, which is what is killing people. If we give someone calcium, vitamin D by mouth, at this point, someone deficient, it takes about two weeks before it gets past that threshold of 30 nanograms per mil. So if someone's critically ill here and gets vitamin D, you're going to die before the vitamin D becomes activated yeah. by the liver. It's a slow process. But if, on the other hand, we do what they did in calcium, what they did in Cordoba, if we have calcifidiol, the part-activated form, natural product, they reach the, the level of over 30 within two hours. Wow. Oh, it's instant, instant reaction. And this is why the people in Cordoba survived and didn't go to ICU. They had a form of calcifidiol, they had calcifidiol, a form of vitamin D, which acts instantly. This isn't all readily available. Here it is. This is from Spain. That is enough to prevent two people from dying. And uh, But most of this actually goes again to cattle. And uh, we're going to have to deprive the cattle of the vitamin D if we're going to treat humankind. Now, something totally different. A good example deaths of working doctors. Between March the 24th and May the 2nd, there were 20, 24 working doctors died, and 23 of them were black African or Asian minority ethnic groups. 23. Imagine, spinning a coin 24 times, and on 23 occasions, you get heads. The chance of that is one in a billion. The three comes to the fact that the Bane doctors are a third of the total doctors in this country. Right. One in a billion chance. No one has taken any notice of this. Here they are, those of 24 who died. And it was a national scandal. It was a disgrace. And no one has paid any attention to them. Yeah, this is something we heard about early doors in the pandemic, wasn't it? It was, but it was always said the black African and Asian minority groups are social, socio-economically disadvantaged. The doctors. The doctors. <laughs> doctors weren't. Yeah. Doctors are not economically disadvantaged or socially. 
they have generally a lot of money. Now, let's look at these 24 doctors dying. And these are the days on which they died. One or two each day, three on the 8th of, on the 8th of April. Mm -hmm. And the black arrow indicates something very interesting. And you'll notice the last death occurred on the 3rd of May. Yeah. The next one was about the 20th of November. Hmm. But what happened on the day of this black arrow was an initiative by a friend of mine, Professor um, Paraj Singhal uh, from Western Supermare, and also David Anderson, uh, the co-author of my book. But what they did, or what we did, the three of us, or Paraj Singh did it really, is he wrote to all the Bain doctors in this country, identifying them by their various um, social groups. He's a chairman of the British Association of Physicians of Indian Origin. Right. And there are several more groups like that. He wrote to them all and he said, take vitamin D immediately to reduce your chance of dying. He says, this must stop. And David Anderson provided him with the vitamin D and the death stopped straight away. The chance of that cluster coming to a sudden end was very, very low probability. But that is good evidence again that vitamin D is very, very effective. There were 25 doctors who died were reported in the British Medical Journal during the course of last year. Now, of the 25, 12 were white. Age range at death... 84 to 107, average age of death, 91. The Bain doctors who died, these doctors are more than just working doctors, of the 13, age range 46 to 79, average age of 62. There's a 30-year age difference between the ages of death of the white and Bain doctors. That's this, incredible. again, is a scandal. I think I'm the only person have done the research to, to work this out. But in Oldham, not far from us, yeah. July the 20th, hospital data show some of the Asian patients 31 years younger than the white counterparts. Exactly the same that I found. What was done about it following July the 20th? Nothing. It's a scandal. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, on Thursday of the week just gone, this was in the Lancashire Evening Telegraph, hospital chaplain in the man has shared the moment he conducted the final rites on a woman's son from COVID but given birth to a fifth child. This woman was about 30 years of age hmm. and she died a few days after a baby was born. This, is, this should not happen. I would guarantee that nobody has ever checked a blood level of vitamin D. He said here, the virus is very real. It does not discriminate with age, gender, or ethnicity and, if, and can be fatal if caught. But it does discriminate. Mm -hmm. Well, we say it discriminates. It picks out and kills the people who are at risk. And the COVID-19 high-risk groups are the elderly, black African, Asian, minority ethnic groups, the obese, and the vitamin D deficient. And it's the vitamin D deficiency this holds these together. All these groups are vitamin D deficient. Sorry, David, how does, um, 
How does obesity um, cause vitamin D deficiency? Is that something yeah. to do with the liver being overworked and not being able to produce the calciferum or something? Well, what it is, what it's thought to be, it, it's not It's not definitely proven. The reason isn't definitely proven. Right. But it's generally thought, see, vitamin D is an oil. It's a fatty substance. And it is thought, which is known, that vitamin D actually, as well as being carried in the blood, it also gets soaked up by the fat cells in the body. Right. And the obese people have more fat cells, and they absorb the vitamin D, take it out of the blood, and it's not very quickly released from the fat cells. So it's it's a diversion of vitamin D from the blood into the fat tissues of the body. That's the most likely explanation. Right. But basically, the obese people are vitamin D deficient, and they're the ones that should be receiving it first. Cool. Now... On the following day in the Lancashire Telegraph, we got good news. <laughs> you know, this is the following day. Aisha see that one voice blackbird, and she is giving out a message to the Asian community: take vitamin D. Good for her. That's wonderful. And I see Aisha see that, age twenty-two, and Marcus Rashford, age twenty-three. Brilliant. I just hope that Aisha see that gets the same publicity and is, is as influential as Marcus Rashford has been. Absolutely. Good for it, you should see that. This is a terrible photograph. It's a, it's a heartbreaking photograph. The Islam Cemetery in Bradford. Here they are, standing around. A, a digger struggling to keep up to dig more graves. Oh, my God. All these, all, this, all these people dying at once. It's just dreadful. And, again, nobody seems to be taking it seriously. Now, coming back to the other two, advisors advise, executives decide, individuals act. And that brings us back to uh, Aisha that again and Marcus Rashford. Often it's up to individuals who act, like Ivor Cumming, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're dealing with, it's not actually rocket science. It's, it's actually quite simple. And it comes under Pascal's wager. And Blaise Pascal being a philosopher, French philosopher in the 17th century. Now, vitamin D, there was no such thing as vitamin D in those days. He was deciding whether or not to believe in God. <laughs> but never mind. And he decided to believe in God is a good idea. Because if it gets you to heaven, that's fantastic. But at least it'll keep you out of hell. <laughs> anyway, Pascal's wager is, is this, basically. Either vitamin D is effective or it is not effective. There are no half measures. It either is or it isn't. Mm. And we've got to decide. Now, the evidence that we have is all on the side of it being effective. There is no evidence to show it's not effective. There is plenty of evidence to show it is effective. And as individuals thinking about ourselves, we can either take vitamin D or we cannot take it. Or as health professionals and care professionals, government, we can either promote vitamin D or we can reject it. And rejection of vitamin D is the government's stance until Matt Hancock decided to um, act as an individual. Now, if we promote vitamin D, 
and it is effective, then we prevent many deaths. And my business, all my working life, is to prevent as many deaths as possible. If it indeed is not effective, I've wasted a lot of effort during 2020, but that's really in the slightest. I firmly promote vitamin D. For those who reject vitamin D, like the government, officially, and vitamin D is effective, then there are going to be many, many unnecessary deaths. But no loss. Mm. Vitamin D is safe. If we promoted vitamin D, it's not effective. People might come to harm from any side effects. Well, there aren't any side effects. It is perfectly safe. If we reject vitamin D, we're responsible for many deaths under the circumstances. If we promote vitamin D, we're likely to prevent many deaths. Well, you know, say it's a no-brainer, really. What are we going to do? We've got a 1,000 people dying every day. Yeah. I really take a chance and promote something that is cheap and safe. Are we going to wash our hands and turn the other way? Which is what is happening. Yeah. We've got far too many unnecessary deaths. And we get on Saturday last week in the in the paper, in the Guardian, we got these headlines. Amazing, people are terrified. Death toll passes eighty thousand. Mm. Cause the strength and lockdown. In the southeast of England, they've run out of mortuary spaces. And they've got to have temporary mortuaries. Disaster mode, pushing hospitals to the edge. Well, you know. Mm. How long can the vitamin D denial continue? I, I dread to think. I have at least 25 studies available supporting vitamin D. The suggested dose of vitamin D is 4,000 units a day. And our scientific advisory committee on nutrition declares that to be perfectly safe. Yeah. It tends to advise 400 units a day. Well, that is inadequate at the present time. But 4,000 is perfectly safe. David, how long on uh, 4,000 units a day does it take to get into the safe range? About two weeks. Two weeks, okay. About two weeks, yeah. And I've been taking it for 25 years. (laughs) (laughs) The time time to build up defence under any circumstances is before you're attacked. Yes. Trying to build build up defences when you're under attack is not... Is not easy. Mm-hmm. 4,000 units a day is what we should be taking. And that keeps us safe. Mm. Okay. I'll stop displaying slides that now. Okay. I will undo my screen share. That was... Uh, and there we are. Yeah, that was, that was really interesting, David. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Yeah. And like you said, a bit longer than I suspected. Oh, oh, we've plenty of time. Don't worry about that. Um, you know, when 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 Mac Hancock came out off on his own accord and and um, started to support vitamin D, did he give any inclination of dosage? No, he just he just did it one day. It says he said actually, we've got to give vitamin D to everybody in nursing homes or in rest homes or to the elderly. He said to the elderly. Yeah. Well. A friend of mine who's elderly, um, she received a letter from him. Dated, I think it was the 20th of November. Um, 
he said it will be available before the end of January or by, by January or something like that, he said. But the problem is, as I say, the world supply is going to run out. That's a terrible thing. And uh, the problem you, you just hinted at before, uh, someone very close to me has, has gets vitamin D on prescription because of um, uh, potential oste- borderline osteoporosis. Yeah. And I, I checked with said individual, and it was, as you said, 400, yeah. uh, what do you call them? Units. <laughs> 400 yeah. Uh, IUs, yeah, a day. Yeah. And I, I told See, her you need to... 400 units is fine for the bones, but for immunity, you need much more than that. Right. You need much more. You need 4,000 a day for immunity, 400 units a day for bones. And the problem is, is 400 units seems to be the the recommended dose across the board, or it has been at least till this point, and it seems like this is uh, fruitless. The the problem is that for the past 100 years, or 100 years ago, the big problem was rickets. You know, bendy bones in children in the cities were desperately short of vitamin D. Mm. Um, And it was found that that is all that's necessary to cure rickets. But it's only been in the past 40 years that the importance of vitamin D in immunity has been established. But not many people seem to know it. Yeah, the attitude is, has been, how do we prevent this certain condition, a bare minimum, yeah, rather than yeah, looking yeah. at preventing other things instead? Yeah, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed talking to different people about vitamin D is the the scepticism you mentioned and you know a lot of people they they can be quite you know scientifically literate um you know intelligent people but they seem a lot of us seem to have this idea of when we hear about supplements about it being snake oil and um there's no point and just eat healthy you'll be fine sort of attitude to it yeah Yeah. how do we combat that it's it's just a case of getting the the information out there Very, very few doctors know what I've just told you. And the other thing is people do say that. They say, oh, well, I I eat healthily. Well, the only way to get vitamin D by eating is to eat fish, like sardines or kippers or something or other, three times a day. (laughs) Not many people eat kippers three times a day. (laughs) And we cannot get enough vitamin D from our diet. Right. We've got to get it from the sun. Um, we, we don't get enough sun. Um, I, was, I was just going to ask David as well. Um, I was, I've heard, I was listening to something else um, this week where he said um, something on the lines that the actual uptake of the vitamin D was related to the level of zinc as well. Is it, can you say anything about that at all? Well, yeah. If, if you look at me, the basic cyto metabolism of vitamin D, zinc is involved. A lot of enzymes in the body need a metal in the middle of it, a metal core. Metalloproteinase is the core, these enzymes. They've been there for billions of years. And um, they need zinc. It's like having iron. Hemoglobin requires iron, for example. That's another one. But People are deficient in zinc. Right. It's as simple as that. You know, deficiency in zinc, it, 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 it's as rare as hence teeth. You know, <laughs> okay. It just doesn't happen. 
<laughs> so, in theory, what they say is correct. In practice, mm. the Zeke's Right, okay. I mean, the, the correlation between getting enough sun and vitamin D is well known, yeah. even by the people at NICE, because the uh, the guidance, when I first started talking about vitamin D back in April or whenever it was, I think the guidance at the time was that everyone should be taking it during the winter months, from the autumn yeah. through to the spring. So yeah. they obviously are aware of this correlation. Yeah. Um, what, you know, assuming you're young, relatively healthy, how much do you have to be outside? How much would you have to be outside in the winter to get the, the, the you know, a healthy amount of vitamin D? In the winter, you don't get any. You don't get any? In the winter, between between mid-September and early April, we don't get any vitamin D whatsoever from the sun. Right, it's just too wet. When the sun is less than 45 degrees above the horizon, the ultraviolet light is stopped. Now, the infrared gets through, so we can feel the warmth of the sun in the winter, and it melts the snow and ice, as we can see. But the ultraviolet doesn't get through, and it's the ultraviolet that creates vitamin D. We, we create no vitamin D in our skin in the winter, none whatsoever. Wow. So we're totally reliant on whatever stock... I mean, how long does your stock last? Say, say you are, say you have an outdoorsy job. You're like a landscape gardener throughout yeah, the summer. Yeah. I mean, how long does it take to drop off? It doesn't last through the winter. No. That's why all the year, every year, we have an excess of deaths in the winter because our reserves of vitamin D don't last through the winter, as I showed on the very first slide. Wow. Mm-hmm. Things very first slide. Wherever it was, not the very first. Just look at this again. There we are. This is reality. Now, we don't produce vitamin D until April starts, and we stop producing vitamin D in September. Right. And the reserves only last. Don't last until Christmas Day. They've gone by then, and and so our blood levels are very low. Right. Our blood levels are very low after October. We're getting low, and they're very low once we get into December. So that yellow area, that's well, yeah. that's that's well established by doing blood tests on lots of people and measuring for yeah. it at different times of the year. Yeah, I mean the correlation is just stunning. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> we do need to do far more research like that. But, of course, if people start taking vitamin D all year round, as they should do, then that will stop. (laughs) We won't have any excess winter deaths. It's like having summer all the year round if we take vitamin D in the winter. (laughs) Can you, um, David, can you produce vitamin D uh, from artificial UV light? Yes. Oh, yeah, no problem. Sunbeds are marvellous, creating vitamin D. Wonderful. And the great thing is, that is controlled ultraviolet exposure. When you lie in the sun, you don't know how much vitamin D, how much sun you're getting, really. Mm. And you can lie there for hours on end and get sunburned. But in a sunbed, it's controlled. 
And that's all you need. Ten minutes, twice a week, something like that, in the sunbed. And that is wonderful at creating good levels of vitamin D. So that's something that perhaps we could... Uh... Invest in. We could do if the uh, if the reserves go down and we, we have this yeah. global shortage of vitamin D. And we can indeed. And if people don't like herrings and kippers, <laughs> if don't like kippers, you can put some there. <laughs> no, the Tony Studios are wonderful for this, no question. They've got a bad reputation, but that's unjustified. Well, the the uh, kipper and uh, oily fish consumption is high up in, in the Scandinavian countries, isn't it? So it is those guys eat a lot of fish, and yeah. they probably top up their vitamin D reserves when they have really yeah. the least sun for, for half the year. That's absolutely right, Ben. Now, there's an interesting story about the fish, because fish cannot produce vitamin D. Vitamin D is produced by plankton, and that's been the case for one and a half billion years. And plankton produce vitamin D, and the little fish eat the plankton, the big fish eat the little fish, and we eat the big fish, and so the vitamin D we get from fish all comes from plankton on the surface of the ocean. Now, the problem then is we now eat a lot of farmed fish, especially farmed salmon. Now, wild salmon feeds on plankton, um, farm salmon feeds on whatever the farmers give it, <laughs> which isn't which isn't plankton. And so, whereas wild salmon can have quite a lot of vitamin D, farm salmon does not have vitamin D in it. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't like everyone to start eating wild salmon, otherwise it would become extinct. There's not a lot of it left. So I would say, eat wild salmon, but take vitamin D at the same time. Yeah, don't rely on your diet. I mean, I remember I looked recently, um, one of the loaves of bread we regularly eat, regularly eat says somewhere yeah. on it that it's fortified with vitamin D. That's right. So, yeah. so I went and looked Absolutely at it right. and, and looked at how much vitamin D was it was fortified with. And, I, and then I looked at what sort of level I would need. I think I'd have, I'd have to eat a loaf a day or something. To... Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right, absolutely. It is a start. I must yeah. say... Uh, from Warburton's, good to Warburton's, the Take the Initiative, it is re- really a marketing thing for them. But they're making an effort to make vitamin D, bring it to public attention. Mm. And as government involvement happens in the future, hopefully, they will put more vitamin D in it than they do now, which is a good start but for them. But again, so it's like to toast for breakfast. <laughs> Sorry? Plankton on toast for breakfast then. Plankton yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, we come back to the same problem of, of the supply then, don't we? If the big food producers start buying it in bulk, where, yeah. we, where are we going to get yeah. it all from? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right, Matt. See, what should have happened, we, 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 we could have foreseen this. I wrote, in fact, I'll send it to you and you can distribute it. I wrote a little play about it a satirical play about this, which I wrote this, it, it, it came out on the blog in May, and it was all about the penny dropping about vitamin D. And see, we, we knew then, and in this, I forecast that we'd run out of vitamin D, and we need to, um, we need to get more, more sheep and more wool. But it's really only the sheep from Australia and New Zealand that are, are giving us vitamin D. Well, we should have been we should have taken the vitamin D or the 70 
70 hydrocholesterol, the oil from the from the skin, from the uh, from the wool of the sheep. We should have been using it the British and European manufacturer as well, and um, North America, rather than just Australia, New Zealand. But we can't we can't shear any more sheep until July. <laughs> we can't do it. They'll die if we cut all the wool off them now. So it's just a problem. It could have been foreseen. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to start scooping plankton up, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, just to go into something that's interested me over the the course of the pandemic is this dynamic between um, COVID nineteen and influenza, where influenza seems to have dropped off the map. Have you have you any thoughts or opinions on that? Well, yeah. Um, I remember I was taught this when I was at university a long time ago. That people do not get two virus diseases at the same time, basically. The reason is that one virus causes the body to produce a substance called interferon. And interferon interferes with the second virus gaining, creating infection at the same moment. So one, one virus is greedy... It wants our body to alter itself, produces interferon, or makes the body produce interferon, which stops a competitor coming in. Now, interferon is very well known, and people did think about it in the COVID-19, which is quite a dangerous medication when given from outside, so it hasn't really got anywhere. It's sometimes used in fighting cancers. Right. But that's why when you've got one virus infection, you don't get another at the same time. Um, just um, not wanting to, want to get conspiratorial or anything, David, but what do you think are the motivations for ignoring vitamin D and pushing remdesivir and these steroids and these other drugs? Mm. Well, the problem is with vitamin D, it's too cheap. <laughs> it's a natural product. It can't be patented. No oh, one can make money out of it. Well, can't you can make a few pence out of it. You know, if you sell, if, if someone sells a, a year's supply of vitamin D for £10, they're, they're making a bit of profit on it, clearly, uh, £2 per person or something like that, perhaps. But big pharma is not going to make any money out of vitamin D. Vaccines, big money. All these other things, big money. Are the medications are a thousand pounds for a court, for a treatment per person, whereas um, uh, vitamin D is, is ten euros. Are, the are any of the big pharma companies, Pfizer, Glaxo, or whatever, do any of them uh, sell vitamin D? No. <laughs> right. They, they couldn't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, it's not enough in it for them, is there? Nothing in it for them. No, no, nothing. In it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so we say it's a conspiracy. Perhaps there is a conspiracy of silence to get vitamin D out of the public eye. So we'll go for the more expensive alternatives. Yeah, you mentioned no, you mentioned. Sorry, David, you mentioned the vaccine there. What, what's your? Yeah. How do you think it's going? What do you think about the vaccine rollout and the strategy in general? Well, I'm going to share the screen again because this all important slide. See, what's happening 
we're getting the vaccines now. And when the spring arises, when we get into May, we're suddenly going to find that the cases go down and down and down. And what's going to say is this, look, we told you these vaccines are going to be wonderful, but it's not the vaccines that are going to be doing it. It might be, but the vitamin D. Now, if the vaccine is effective, we will not have this rise in the autumn. Yeah. The drop in the spring and summer cannot be attributed to the vaccine altogether. But if there's no rise in the autumn, we can say that is because of the vaccine. Hmm. That makes sense. I think it will. Yeah. 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 So vaccine's fine. Except, see what vaccines do, they simulate immunity. But you can't simulate anything that's asleep, such as their immune system, when you're vitamin D deficient. And what the vaccine people should have done, said, OK, we're going to give vaccinations to people. What we'll do, we'll give them a good dose of vitamin D and we'll give them 4,000 units a day, we'll say. And in four weeks' time, we'll again give them the vaccination. Because it's known that vaccines do not work very well in people who are vitamin D deficient. Or put it the other way around. In people in whom vaccines don't work very well, they are identified as being vitamin D deficient. Mm. So we could have used them together. I'm nothing against vaccines. It's, I've got, I, I think that um, vitamin D is going to be far more effective and far safer, and it could help with the vaccine production, with the vaccine function. Yeah, and it comes down to, to cost-benefit analysis as well. Yeah. You know, um, people like 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 uh, what's the the agency Nice? Yes, they make certain recommendations on the maximum amount you can spend on a yeah. per life year gain sort of thing. You're right, and if, you form that. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I got thirteen months of vitamin D for eight quid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what are we spending? How, I don't know what we're spending on the vaccine, but it's going to be in the, the billions. And oh, it will be in the billions. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it will be a perpetual thing, I presume. Because I mean, is it, are you of the opinion that COVID nineteen is here to stay, and it will be an endemic, seasonal virus like influenza? Yeah, it will. It, it'll add to the seasonal influenza. It. it Viruses don't actually go away. They're always around, lurking around. Why the epidemic stop is because we become immune. And if everybody's immune, we get the herd immunity, which is passed on from generation to generation. Don't say that's a dirty word, David. <laughs> don't say it. It, it, it shouldn't be, though. Herd immunity is very important, but um, it was it was badly sold at the beginning. People didn't really understand it properly. But, Herd immunity is inevitable. So we had in 1968-69 the pandemic of um, Hong Kong flu. And I was a young doctor at Manchester Royal Infirmary then, oh, working wow. very hard on the front line. And um, it killed 80,000 people in the country. Yeah. Terrible. But it went away. Why did it become away? Go away. No vaccinations or anything, no social distancing. It went away because we all became immune to it, apart from the 80,000 who died. And is it, isn't it? it still in circulation? I think it's H3N2, wasn't it? Do you know, 
I think you, you may well be right. I can't remember these code numbers. <laughs> these viruses. I just I just use the term Hong Kong flu. <laughs> yeah, because that was the that was the year of Woodstock as well. There was no lockdown then. There's hundreds no, and thousands of young people. Peace and love and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, an, I just find that it's an astounding experiment that we've conducted in the last 12 months, and I really fear for the long-term effects of... of yes, I do. I'm afraid that I don't see the lockdown has actually done any good. I'd like to think it's done good, but I can't see the benefits of lockdown. They say, well, it would have been worse without lockdown. But hang on. Things come to be worse than 3 million cases and 80,000 deaths. Tens of stuff. We've got the fifth highest number of deaths in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Things come to be worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully, you know, given enough uh, time and people going back and study it, because, I mean, scientists are going to have a... Epidemiologists, statisticians are going to have a field day with this for probably decades to come, and I just hope that we learn something from it and we don't, we haven't set a horrible precedent with this. Yeah. We will learn something ultimately. We've not yet been able to sit back and relax. The, you know, there have been a half a dozen professors of epidemiology, etc., who've made the running over this. And they've not been, they've not had to defend themselves. Hmm. It's like with nice, we can't attack nice. We can't question that. We can't question these pundits who come on the radio every morning. Yeah. We can't do it. But one day they will be questioned, and they'll have to justify what's going on. Are they going to have a difficult time doing so? Yeah, I look forward to that. Hey, David, we've gone over an hour already. Can't believe how quickly it's gone. Just over, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, unless, uh, Matt, Ben, you've got anything to add, I think we should... Uh, yeah. No, that was fantastic, David. Thank yeah. you very much. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, mm. incredibly informative. Yeah. I'm sure people will find it valuable. Um, just I, stay, and thanks for your time. Thanks for coming. Um, just stay on the line for us for two minute, for a minute while we play ourselves out. Yeah. And um, we'll catch you on the, on the flip side. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our uh, amazing chat with Dr. David Grimes. I neglected to say during the interview, um, his blog is at www.drdavidgrimes.com. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, plus a link to the book that he wrote with the other David, the other Dr. David, and his Twitter David handle. Anderson. David Anderson, yeah. And his Twitter handle, because he's quite a, a prolific tweeter. Oh, is he? Yeah, he is, yeah. So what did you make of that? Fantastic. It's excellent. So he's kind of explained seasonality, hasn't he? His sort of idea for it seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? And cheap. Quite a, an easy thing to resolve. And like what you said with that um, that paradigm or whatever you were saying. Pascal, was it? Oh. Pascal. Pascal's um, that, that, Yeah, I mean, if you're spending billions... 500 billion watts, uh, 10 euros on everybody over a certain age. Nothing to lose, have you? It's that whole, no, yeah. well, may as well try it. 
Exactly, yeah. Yeah, seven ninety nine for thirteen months supply I got, and mm. that's you know that should be within reach of of anyone really probably listening. You would hope, mm. and um, like you said, it's a no brainer. You've nothing to lose, and mm. potentially everything to gain. Even though you know we're fairly young, healthy, virile animals, <laughs> sexy. Right, we're getting a bit into the old silverback, you know, old silverback territory. But you know, it's uh, yeah, I think I, I'm with him 100. percent It's a no brainer. And uh, yeah. check mm. out the video we did with Ivor Cummings um, with the other David and uh, another doctor. That was uh, really interesting. So yeah, and uh, follow him on on social and check out his blog. I thought it was brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, excellent. Right, let's move on. Housekeeping. 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 I'm a blind man. Oh, become a producer. This is a value for value podcast. If yeah, you receive, sake. if you receive value from this podcast, and how could you have not received any value from that last hour? You must have yeah. learned something. I certainly did. Um, please consider returning some value. There are many ways to return value. <laughs> what would be one way? Army oh, Ben, send us a review. Do us a, a review Ooh. on one of our platforms. Oh, now you're saying review, aren't you? We have got a fresh one. Fresh. <laughs> And it's going to bring up the WhatsApp group for reviews. Yeah, whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's um, oh, I believe I got we got an email today from Pandora. Oh, have we? Oh, so you know that? Wow. Apparently, we're on Pandora now. I thought Pandora. That's taken ages. I thought Pandora was the the planet that the blue cat people were from on on yeah, Avatar. <laughs> All right, that's what we're on now. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, Jake Sully. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Right, what's the fresh review? Oh, right. Five stars, obviously. Obviously. Entitled, great show, exclamation mark. Great show with real information that the masses need to wake up. Hang on. They've not seen this episode yet, though. To what episode may they be referring? (laughs) All of the other ones. Of course. That's from six days ago. And that is from the handlers, mad at us, because they ain't us. Another American. What's the name for the producer list? Um, mad at us, cause they ain't us. Oh, mad at us, cause cause they, they ain't ain't us. Okay, right. Congratulations, you're a producer for episode one six eight. Well done. Um, yeah. Um, follow us on uh, YouTube. Yeah, that's like... another way to become a producer. What did they say? Smash that like button. Yeah. De- uh, oh, is that? De- like and one. subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. Is it down that way? Decimate the bell. <laughs> get <Okay>. no notific- <laughs> get notifications. Ooh, no. Emulate the subscribe button. Yeah. Um this is a good one to subscribe to uh start your subscription to the Army Institution podcast because you'll get to see David's uh, graphs and, and his uh, information on his presentation mm. in full glory mm. technicolor. And you need to see it. Yeah, because it's it's shocking What you should do is listen to the podcast and then watch the video. <laughs> yeah. Got lots of, uh, lots of YouTube comments this week. <laughs> so it's uh, it's definitely growing and it's worth subscribing. That would help us out. 
Uh, how else do you become a producer? Send us uh, news things. articles. Sorry? Send us things. News articles, uh, videos, uh, clips that we can use, any sort of information that you think maybe needs amplifying, and we shall mm. endeavour to do that. Mm. Um, that's a good way to become a producer. How else? Um, Email Buy things. Buy things. Go to the army loot chest and buy things. Yeah, there is a wide range of apparel available. Mm-hmm. Uh, t-shirts, hoodies, face masks. Praise Jabalan. Uh, can we legally provide the Amish Inquisition branded vitamin D supplements? <laughs> I don't see why not. We could we can buy them off Amazon for seven pounds and sell them That's on the loot chest for a hundred. That's the big farm away. Yeah. yeah. There is a, a vitamin company in our hometown of Preston, which has just mm. signed a major nationwide deal with GNC in the States. Ah, right? The car company. <laughs> <laughs> the big black truck company. The, uh, the drugstore. The nationwide ah, drugstore. Yeah. Is it GNC? I thought it was called GNC. I don't know. I don't know. I only know Walgreens and uh, the other one. The is, there a is there a vitamin company in where we live? Yeah. Yeah. Is it old Longridge way? I think I drove past it today. I mean, in my exercise in my local area, not in a car. No, it's on, Gost- on Gostang Road. Is it? Yep, opposite Moor Park. And uh, the, the garage. <laughs> they've uh, raised hundreds of millions of uh, investment and they're really? taking on the world. Yeah. And what are they going to sell? Supplements. Oh, okay. So, Never heard of that one. Maybe we should tap them up. The market, or is it privately owned? Um, I don't know. I just saw it fleetingly today while I was looking at um, the latest news. Really? Oh, no, I think it's on. Are you sure it's not Wix? <laughs> it's not <laughs> Wix, no. Uh, oh, gosh. Anyway, yeah, email us at thearmsinquisition at g- uh, com. Stalk us on social media. Tell your friends. Uh, what's the number one way to become a producer? Tosses a coin. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. People have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. Whatever, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's, uh, let's thank the producers for episode 168. We have Gav Scott, Mark Anthony Wyatt, The Hundredth Monkey, In the Morning, The Hundredth Monkey, Bruce Wayner, 83, Nominals Nodge, Robert's Day, Robert's Day, 78, Anonymous, Mad at Us Cause They Ain't Us, and everyone who bought merch this week. Thank you so much. Everyone? So much. You're literally the best, mate. The best. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love. I've been coming to terms with the fact that I am fucking vegan. <laughs> I'm literally a- the best mate. The 
dwarf, the carrots, the grape, the homophobe, the winds, the uh, tosilizu map, the fucking vegan, the lion dog face pony soldier, the asna, the corn pop chance, the number 11, the slushy deposits, the blind man, the communist <laughs> on the horizon, the cripple and the mother of the bickering from like a judgment day and terminating mode like. Bring on. <laughs> Yes! I don't get it, never will. Literally. A communist. Yes, thanks for your support for another week and uh, making this show possible. Mm. Um, I should just say, uh, when you do buy merch, I don't get your name or address or anything, so if you have bought merch and you do want to produce a credit, send us a selfie of yourself. Modeling yeah. said apparel, yeah, absolutely, and I will sort you yeah. out if you wish to produce a credit. I will sort you out the following week. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That would be lovely. COVID nineteen news. Put on your fucking muzzle if you go to the shop. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass. From hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating. More, More lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. Two million people have to die. This is such a crock of shit. This is funny bickering! Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me! I just have to stop and pause uh, before we start the COVID <laughs> news because this dark druid chocolate orange and pastry st- stout is absolutely yummy, yum-tastic. I told you. It is. It would be. be. Can. Pastry. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's got any vitamin D in it. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. I'll have to stick with the supplements. All right, okay, COVID news. Latest update from Bojo the Clown. The, uh, the messaging seems to be changing. We got this from a press conference earlier this week. Hi, folks, Boris Johnson here. As we go into the weekend, I just want to thank everyone for following the rules and staying at home. Jab by jab, we will... Jab by jab. I like the boxing analogy. ...win this fight against COVID. We've already vaccinated hundreds of thousands more people than in any other country in Europe. I like that as well. Stick it to Johnny Foreigner. <laughs> We've vaccinated hundreds of thousands of more people than Europe. Has he um, stolen our um, producer <laughs> Our bed, music? our soundtrack bed. I, yeah. th- I think he probably has. You can't blame him. It's a beautiful bed. No. No. So, yeah, to, um, I sort of don't blame him. Do you remember the uh, the flack that they got earlier in the year when they decided not to partake in the EU's vaccine procurement programme? Mm. And they got, uh, they got panned, didn't they, by the left-wing media, so... I think that's why he's sticking in that jab to Johnny Foreigner <laughs> that we've uh, we've done we've done better than the uh, EU as far as vaccinating yeah, goes. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll let him have that one. <laughs> yeah. And this extraordinary national effort is only going to accelerate. But until the job is done, we must keep this virus under control. And remember that one in three with COVID have no symptoms. They're silent spreaders, unwittingly infecting others, and that could, I'm afraid, be you. 
it's safest to assume that you may have COVID. So please, really think twice before leaving the house this weekend and only do so if it's absolutely necessary. Together, we can defeat this virus, but only if we stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives. Yeah, assume you have it. Mm-hmm. It's the new guidance. We haven't heard that yeah. before, I don't think. Well, it's a new it's a new way to strike fear into the heart of everyone, isn't it? It's just so much fear. fear more well, that's, I think that's the thing, isn't it? That the I think the, the vibe was the government felt that we weren't as scared, I guess, anymore. So one way to kind of up the levels again. I was thinking- to say you're you've got it. Assume you've got it, you pig. <laughs> I was thinking about this early in the week and uh, I don't want to belittle people who are suffering with COVID or who know people who've died of COVID. But thinking about the bigger picture and the government response, if this was a major, major pandemic, the first thing the government would be doing is trying to keep people calm. We had we had we had a, a hint in March. We had a tiny, tiny hint of what a real pandemic might look like when the supermarket shelves were stripped bare. Mm-hmm. And if this was the bubonic plague, they would be doing everything to stop civil society collapsing overnight, and the law of the jungle becoming the law of the land. So the fact that they're using fear as a motivator sort of betrays, I think, the the situation. Mm, interesting approach. I'm an interesting guy, then. <laughs> I mean. Yes. Mm. You, you sound sceptical, Matt. Yeah, I've known you the longest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, while we're on the vaccine... Um, there's a big story. <laughs> There's been a big story from Norway, Brett, this week. Australia's vaccine regulator says it's investigating reports of deaths among elderly patients in Norway who have received the Pfizer jab. Live now to political reporter Eliza Edwards. What has the TGA had to say, Eliza? Well, Charlotte, in the past few minutes, the Therapeutic Goods Administration has put out quite a comprehensive statement, clearly trying to reassure Australians about the vaccine approval process here after the reports of around 23 deaths among elderly patients who had received the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine in Norway. In this statement, it in part reads, in recent days, the TGA has received reports of around 30 deaths in over 40,000 elderly individuals in Norway vaccinated with the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. The deaths were recorded among very frail patients, including some who were anticipated to only have weeks or months to live. The statement goes on to say the TGA will continue working with European regulators to investigate any potential risks of vaccination among the frail, elderly and terminally ill and will only approve the Pfizer vaccine if it's deemed to be safe and effective. That message of safety being the priority, also reiterated by the Health Minister this morning so we have a few issues here haven't we yeah they were all so, they were all they sounded like they were all gonna die ah, anyway right. so the common refrain is these people had a few months to live they were really ill and and you know they died that's sad but 
if they had tested positive for COVID, they're a COVID death. Mm-hmm. Well, they not. Oh no, obviously not. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. A lot of the things the things we've been talking about is the average age of COVID deaths in this country is higher than life expectancy. The vast majority of people are really old and frail who are dying. They're the most susceptible for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But the vaccine kills a few people. Oh, well, they were old and frail. They were going to die anyway. Yeah. Uh, what, what else does this raise? The whole point of the vaccine is to, pre- pre- is to protect the most vulnerable, isn't it? Yeah, if you... If you prevent deaths. Prevent deaths. And the deaths are overwhelmingly in the in the particularly old frail. Well, this is the thing that what David just said. If they had what was that country? Was that Norway? This was Norway, yeah. Yeah, so they were quite likely to have had a vitamin D deficiency. Yeah, their immune system would be not have been awake, as David put it. Um, so. Um, then the vaccine probably didn't stand as good a chance to work in them anyway as it would in someone who had... Well, they, they, they didn't die of COVID, these people. Well, no, but you might, well, I suppose they, it could have been other things. Could have been in, another kind of illness, could it? Well, they're investigating the, the, the concern that it was side effects from the vaccine. Well, does it cause an immune response and then that could have kind of... The cytokines or whatever it's called. Well, it, 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 there's varying degrees of side effects some people just feel shitty did you mm. hear about the councillor in plungington um is nope. a frontline nhs mm. worker it was in the uh, paper today right. and um 42 no underlying health conditions he got the vaccine the fire uh, didn't say which fire which uh <laughs> didn't seem to say which vaccine it was because you know we don't we don't need information like that um mm. and he had to go uh, to be rushed into hospital and he had emergency care for 24 hours because of his reaction to the vaccine. Uh, luckily, after about five days, he started to notice an improvement. <laughs> so, uh, but he's he's all right now. He's not. He's you know he's not in hospital or anything. Uh, so yeah, they started. Sorry, go on. If someone is already old and frail, and you put them through a similar level of. Uh, reaction, it could be enough to finish him off. Well, yeah. Yeah, very true. And the vaccine really wasn't tested in the really old and frail people mm-hmm. to, the, to the extent that we're doing it now in this live trial that we're conducting on the country. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's, I mean, for the same reason, you wouldn't give the vaccine to under ones and, you know, newborns because the, the, the risk levels, it's like a Bell curve, isn't it? Your risk level, or an inverse bell curve. Your risk, your risk levels are higher at each end. The other thing is, do you say that some were terminally ill? If the goal of the vaccine is to prevent deaths, why would you vaccinate terminally ill people? And it, is that a philosophical problem? I, I, I don't feel it is, but maybe you know, listeners write in and please give give me some stick if you're uh, if you've got an argument against that. Well, I mean, that's where the thing is. is he, they are people who are terminally ill would be classed as critically ill, wouldn't they, I guess? And they are above the likes of me and you of being vaccinated, aren't they? So they're a priority. And I suppose you could be terminally ill and still have two years to live, which is yeah. two years. Or months. Yeah. 
And if all I you if all you have if all you have is a hammer, they've already signed up. All the governments have signed up to buy millions and billions of doses. They need to use them. It'd be mm-hmm. embarrassing if they're left sat on the shelf, won't it? Again, again. So, so they're just going to give them. And the thing is, the study says it's safe. So, yeah, that's the get out of jail free card, isn't it? Yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. Anyway, that the vaccine rollout, uh, it's it's seems to have grabbed the attention of a lot of other countries. Mm. Uh, this this uh, report from Norway that was from um, Sky News Australia, and it was the Australian um, health healthcare medicines regulatory body responding and we might see moves to reduce vaccination in particularly vulnerable people but it raises the point what was the frigging point then if you can't give it to the vulnerable and the over 80s Mm. or over 85s or whatever they decide then -hmm. this was seemingly a bit of a pointless exercise doesn't it but which which i mean we'll see you can't be seen to ignore that that aged population if they come in and said right we'll start it at 50 and work our way down and we'll do like schools and stuff teachers key workers shop shop workers bar staff and get everyone like get the economy going again quote unquote then i think that wouldn't be seen favorably by a lot of people and it would perhaps be seen as ignoring the aged who already feel ignored anyway and also are the uh, isn't that where all the voters are? <laughs> so it's, there's a there's a, probably a few factors, um, side factors involved in that. But yeah, it's going yeah. pretty quick though. I mean, I think there's uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've heard of people I know who are who are younger than old who are who are getting <laughs> the vaccine now. And that's that. When did we start? Like about a month ago. Well, Seems like- to be going pretty quick through that nine levels of of um, priority. Dominic Raab said today on uh, Sophie Ridge that mm. everyone in the country will have been offered it by September. That's pretty good. It's rapid, yeah. So we shall see. I I reckon 30% will, will turn it back, will knock it back, hmm. I reckon. But... We shall see. We'll see what happens. It's just something to keep an eye on, this uh, vaccination of the of the really clinically frail and old, and we'll just have to keep mm. an eye on it and see how it develops. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, schools are shut, so you know what that means. Joe Wicks is back <laughs> with his daily workouts. Yes. And, uh, a tragedy. Tragedy struck, struck this week. Twang my hammy, didn't I? I believe in my head when I'm wearing suits I can do things I can't. I believed I could do the full splits. And I went for it. And it's uh, it's cost me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you catch that? Twanged my hammy, didn't I? Twanged his hammy. hammy. Don't try and do the full splits when you're dressed as Buzz Lightyear. It's the motto. Yeah. Oh. Okay, well soon, Joe. You're a national yeah. treasure. You certainly helped me out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you know we haven't heard from Deutsche Welle for a long time? Oh, please! Wow. <laughs> um, I dipped in this week just to see how they're getting on, and I was not disappointed. Let's hear about Deutsche Welle.
one of our most basic human needs. Have a guess. Time? Is it time? I can hear ticking. Time? Any any advances on time? Um, taking a shit. <laughs> Sex. Ah. But when coronavirus has made something as simple as a kiss or a hug taboo... We're so used to interacting with people and having touch. And without that right now, you know, we, we're really at a loss. So how can we get the physical intimacy we need? Experts have offered advice from who we should be doing it with to how we should be doing it. For many of us, sex has become a burden. For others, a real problem. Someone once told me purple means sexually frustrated. <laughs> really? Someone once told me purple means sexually frustrated. He's wearing a purple tie at the time. Is he referring to blue balls? <laughs> it's, this is just the weirdest piece I've seen. Uh, God, let's continue. It just—it's wild. Desperate times call for desperate measures, but which measures are the right ones? Here's some advice from my colleague and sexpert Kaz at the 77% DW's Youth Show for Africa. Okay, so he's going, he hands over to Kaz now. She's like the hip millennial from Deutsche Welle, from like the Deutsche Welle Youth Brigade, the Kindersoldaten. <laughs> and she's going <laughs> to she's gonna uh, do a little role play in a pre-recorded segment and, it, and it's glorious. I could. Traffic is crazy. What is it? What's going on? What's happening? Talk to me. Uh, I honestly can't take it anymore. Josh is driving me crazy. Okay, details. What's happening? Well, you know we've been together for like almost a year now. Mm-hmm. And everything was going great. But once the lockdown started, things just started to change with him. Especially after he lost his job. Sounds like he's grieving. I don't know. I can't imagine what he's going through is easy. But I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I've, I've tried. I've tried to make him comfortable about the situation. I'm still able to cover the bills, but I just don't get it. He's become so distant. He sits in front of the TV all day. We haven't had sex in months. <coughs> I just don't know what to do. Have you tried having an open conversation with him? I can barely get him to tell me what he'll have for dinner. You think he wants to talk about this? Hmm. That's a tough one. But also quite common. I mean, I think Josh... Might be depressed. He sounds depressed, doesn't he, Josh? Yeah, sounds a bit. Yeah, sounds yeah. a bit grumpy. Yeah, he's lost his job. Mm. Yeah, maybe a form of intervention might help. What kind of intervention do you think they're planning? Hand job. <laughs> <laughs> Get someone professionally, preferably come to you, sit, have a conversation between the two of you. You know, I guess. Like yo, some men struggle to open up because they think it makes them look. We can we have the patriarchy to thank for that? Oh no! Gotta get. Why did you have to throw that shoehorn the patriarchy have, into that? You have to get the patriarchy the, in somewhere. That created the scouts or girl guide, you know, whatever the fuck she's in. Maybe he feels like he can no longer act as the provider, which also traditionally is expected of men. But. He needs to learn that he's still valued. Like, give him time, like an opportunity to heal. I think that's the best you can do. But what if nothing changes or, or if he refuses to listen? Then it's on you. You have to decide if 
it's the kind of environment you want to foster a relationship in. Otherwise, what will happen next time things go tough? You need to take care of your own mental health too. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. But what about the sex? This uh, soap is rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> what is going, how old is this girl? Millennial, late twenties, I guess. All right. She's dying. <laughs> Pull out your vibrator, sis. It's totally normal to lose your sex drive when you're suffering from depression. Believe me. Just substitute him with a robot. Pull out your vibrator. <laughs> yeah. Fuck him. Fine. Fuck him if he's depressed. <laughs> yeah. But be patient with him, you know. But in the meantime, you can meet your own needs. <laughs> Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That Okay, enough about me. How about you? How are you doing? Oh, I'm getting laid, sales. <laughs> Researcher Raquel Peel joins us. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to have to put the link in the, in the description because the video is priceless and it gets, it gets wilder. The, the anchor is, is absolutely weird. Um, oh, my God. Right, so they, they throw back to the anchor now for the like the live studio interview with the expert, the sex expert, uh-huh. and uh, it's pretty uncomfortable. And I get the feeling the anchor's line of questioning is maybe being being informed by prior experience here. Researcher Raquel Peel joins us from my hometown, Brisbane. Raquel, good to see you there. Tell me, is your best sexual partner yourself during these difficult times? <laughs> Well, it depends. Are you a single person looking for someone new or are you already in a relationship? <laughs> it's just like a direct question. The uncle will know what yeah. to do. <laughs> so if you're single, what do you reckon? Well, if you're single, then you've really got to consider the safety issue with the pandemic. So I guess for me, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are your best partner. If I want to have sex with someone, I would be wanting to have that conversation about safety. Have they been checked for um, coronavirus? Would they consider getting checked prior to engaging in sexual activity? You see that happening? People going for coronavirus tests before they engage? The buzzkill. It's a bit of a... Yeah, the anchor picks up on it. Well, yeah. It's a 15-minute test now, though, isn't there? So you could maybe just... You're not even allowed to touch each other, are you? So... But isn't that something that'll scare people away? (laughs) Look, when it comes to love and relationships, anything will scare us away if we are willing to go away. (laughs) But I think if if this is something that you want, I think that conversation is warranted. It's the same conversation around safe sex, wearing condoms. It's, it, we need to have that conversation. What about what the uh, Terence Higgins Trust uh, advised in the UK back in August last year to avoid kissing, wear a face covering and choose positions that aren't face-to-face during sex? Did you remember? Didn't we cover that, that advice? I can't remember. I think we did. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, I don't think it's stuck. But anyway, his, uh, his line of questioning continues. How long is it healthy to abstain from sex? Look, I don't have that number for you. Um, I would just say, look, again, 
as humans, we are intrinsically motivated to do it. So yeah. being told that we can't do it, I don't <laughs> think that's the right though, yeah. thing. <laughs> the right thing would be how do we do it? Ra- Raquel, what about cyber sex? Yeah. Why not? It's intimacy. The key element is intimacy. We can be intimate online. So I think that's a good alternative, especially for couples that have been separated by the pandemic, to keep up the intimacy, I would say, online sex, but also conversation. So it's a a way to keep connected. And I have actually heard from people who have been kept apart but found other ways to connect that their relationship actually got better. How, how, How did it get better? Can you give me some examples? Oh, I think I cut it there. Um, the cyber sex is interesting to me because um, <clears throat> the theme is we're scared. We're scared of COVID, so we need to have cyber sex and and uh, self sex. <laughs> and <clears throat> it brings me back. I always come back to it. Demolition Man. <laughs> Do you remember the scene in Demolition Man? Yeah. Where L- Lieutenant Huxley, played by Sandra Bullock, says to Sly, "I want to have mm-hmm. sex with you," and mm-hmm. Sly's like, ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh. <laughs> right? And then you know she goes, "Oh, I'll just go and get ready," and she brings back the VR headset. Yeah, yeah. and they put on the VR headset, and Sly's like, "What's going on?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 Sandra Bullock's like. What, you thought we were actually going to have real sex and swap (laughs) bodily fluids? That's disgusting. Mm. And then she reams off a load of viruses. First there was HIV, then there was HPV, then LWA. We don't do that anymore. I think it could be be in our future. Because of Deutsche Welle. Yeah. (laughs) And the Terence Higgins Trust. It's the source. (laughs) <laughs> you fucking idiot <laughs> so yeah that's the way we're going cocktail we're going the Raymond cocktail way yeah yeah so it, prophetic that film it is this is so much it's just a, a media mm. studies student's wet dream I'm going to watch it I'm, gonna wa- I'm definitely going to watch that on Netflix this week I watched it over Christmas is that's it definitely on Netflix yeah yep it was at Christmas yeah I'm going to watch it. Still be on there. Five mark film. He <laughs> was. There's lots of, well, I could talk, we could talk at length about it. We should just do a spin off podcast about Demolition Man. <laughs> 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 we call it The Demolished Man. Nice. Let's, uh, let's move on. There was a big uh, scoundrel, uh, scoundrel, scandal, <laughs> a scoundrel as well. Um, David mentioned Marcus Rashford earlier, and there's been this uproar about free school meals. Oh yeah, the Vince—they look pretty, pretty stingy, don't they, for fifteen quid or something? Oh, do you know, I'm you know I'm reading the Gulag Archipelago, and there's a quote in there that is, you know, <laughs> the only ra- the only way you can steal big is stealing off the state, and yeah. that is what's going on. It's profiteering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the um, government's splurging money left, right and centre and people are making a fortune on the backs of it and we're going to be paying it for the next how many ever generations. Yeah. There was a, there was a story, wasn't it, a couple of months ago about PPE yep. and how much of a, <clears throat> uh, what do you call it, how much extra basically they were, they were charging for it. And some people, like brokers, a broker for PPE they made tens of millions. Just like it's like an agent in football, isn't it? Yeah, 
It's crazy. Do we uh, do we want to hear Health Secretary Hat Mancock getting <laughs> skewered skewered by Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain this week? Oh, I love I love these. Yeah, vote against it. Well, I'm really glad we were able to put it into place. Yeah, but and, if you're that uh, glad about being able to put it into place, again, why did you, as Health Secretary, vote against this? This was about the vote in Parliament that they had recently. For what, sorry? Well, about pr- providing free school meals throughout oh, holidays. Oh, I see, I see. The, yeah. the Tories all vote, voted against it. And then Mar- that's when Marcus Rashford started his campaign and the yeah. government has now U-turned. So yeah. Matt Hancock, along with the government, voted against this. Back, mm-hmm. back in before the holidays, whenever it was. Yeah. Well, because um, <laughs> the reason that I'm glad now is because we've been able to sort that out and put it in place. Well, so the reason you're glad uh, now is that you got shamed. <laughs> thanks in, to you. you got, let's be honest. You got shamed into it by a football player, a young football player with a conscience, who managed to prick the conscience of you and the government. Do you regret now, given how glad you are that it's now happening? Do you regret voting against it? Well, of course, I'm pleased that we're we're yeah. making sure that. That uh, wasn't the question. I just asked if you. I asked if you regretted. Yeah, but, no, but hang but on, it's a very important question because you wouldn't have done it without Marcus Rashford campaigning. My question for you is: Given how glad you now are that it's happening, do you regret voting against it? Is it yes or no? Well, well, as I say, I'm really glad that it's happening. But do now, you regret and... it? Do you regret voting against it? Well, I. Uh, I'll put it this way. In the first lockdown, uh, we took this action. And now, as you say, we're in Health a Secretary, second You only had to say yes lockdown. or no, whether you regret it. You either regret it or you don't. Well, I, I, I'm really glad that the situation's been resolved. You say so you, regret, you regret voting against it? I, I'm really glad it's been resolved. We've sorted it out. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to use my own words to describe my own feelings on this one. So you won't answer the question? Well, it's that I'm, I'm answering the question, uh, uh, and I'm really glad that we've sorted it. Well, let's just say... It's just awful, isn't it? It's yeah. just like, you know, uh, they're told to vote one way and you can't sort of... And people still think these, 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 these fucking politicians have your best interests at heart. Mm. They're in it for themselves. It's a career. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy hearing them <laughs> squirm. It's glorious. <laughs> they have no principles. They have no principles. No, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? He would have if he if he really didn't agree with it, he would have just resigned, wouldn't he? There might be a perfectly good argument for not doing it. There might be a perfectly good argument for saying, Well, hang on. That money can be spent in a different way that's more effective. If you believe that then fucking stand up and make that argument. Don't don't flip on dime because you've had a bit of pressure from a footballer and mm. then act like that on national TV. The spineless sluts. <laughs> <laughs> Slutty deposits. The, mm. the, the bag of wank. The shit. Stop mm. listening to them because they haven't got your best interests at heart. Sorry for the rant. But... It, uh, you know. that's the thing is it's the power of the media isn't it as soon as the as soon as the story changed and it became one of the government denying hungry children and like all the sort of interviews they did with sort of mums who couldn't afford to feed kids outside of school and all the rest of it that was it wasn't it yeah 
can't afford that kind of um, political backlash or whatever. No. So they have to change their mind, don't they? Yeah. Everything's viewed through a political prism. Mm. That's all it's about. It's all about the next election, four years, five years down the line, whenever it is. That's the only thing that motivates them. And don't get me wrong, I don't single out Tories. They're all the same. <laughs> of course they are. I'm, I'm apolitical. Whoever you vote for, the government gets in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure there are a few, one or two good eggs, maybe, out of the 600 of them in that shit house. <laughs> but the vast majority of them are like him. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, consider this, Mancock. Things could be worse. You could be this guy. It's not uncommon to forget the password to your email or maybe a social media account. But for one man, the stakes are higher than most. His forgotten password is costing him millions of dollars. San Francisco resident Stefan Thomas lost the key to unlock his digital wallet that holds 7,000 bitcoins. That translates to a whopping $220 million. The correct password is locked in a hard drive that gives users 10 guesses before it locks forever. Thomas has only two more tries to gain access to his fortune. Oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> You've uh, forgotten another name off the producer list there, Phil? Who? Amish Matt. <laughs> All right. Did I, you say I sent this story. You uh, didn't provide the clip, did you? Uh, no. <laughs> But I, I provided the story. Half a job, Bob. I think you'll find that I don't put myself on the producer list every week either. Uh, no, because you're not a producer. You're the creator. You're. Um, I think you should have a different title. Um, Shitlord. <laughs> <laughs> what title do you have? What title should we have, do you think? Viscount. Yeah, I'll go for that. I want to be a marquee, marquis. Executive Inquisitor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was uh, Richelieu's title? Cardinal. Ooh, are you not called like a High Inquisitor or something? (laughs) Inquisitor. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it might be, yeah. What do you make of the Bitcoin guy? Uh, Oh, there's a... Did you not see that someone's tweeted him? It was like some kind of code breaker and said, a famous one who owns some kind of company that will say he'll take, do it for 10%. Yeah. Well, what about the guy? I don't know if in the, in the story I sent you, it went back to the guy in England mm. who threw away his old hard drive. And that was when it first peaked. So that was um, when it was getting to around like fifty, ten, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars, and now is it big up to forty for a day or two or thirty thousand mm. dollars? So that basically the value of his fucking laptop that he threw away has <laughs> doubled over the space of two years, like tens the, of uh, millions. He knows the grid reference of the, the landfill where it is yeah. as well, and, and he's yeah, offered yeah. the council fifty million to let to let him dig it up. I'm, I'm, I thought that he had, and he couldn't find it. Oh, oh that... no, I don't think they're letting him because it's too uh, too Top much volatile. Yeah, like great crested newts or something. <laughs> it was in the news this week. That guy in England. Yeah, and he's right. offered the council fifty million because there's two hundred million on the laptop. On the laptop. Fucking hell! Do you not think it will be corrupted though? The hard drive with it like being buried in. 
I think that's why they're not they're not going to do it because it's not a guaranteed fifty million, is it? It's like they could spend whatever whatever it'll cost, and right? it's going to cost him a bit to dig it up anyway, mm. probably in the tens of thousands, and that'll be likely wasted because it'll just be a rusty, ratty, and nonsense. Mm. Yeah, and um, I, it, I was reading. <laughs> I was reading something about uh, landfill, and quite often they spontaneously combust because it gets so hot with everything rotting oh. and all the shit that gets thrown away that shouldn't be thrown away that they just set on fire quite a lot right at the bottom. So it's probably burned as well. Gosh. Or melted, anyway. I'd probably just uh, forget about that. <laughs> just try not to. Practice trying not to end my own life. Just, well, it's stupid. Like, I mean, you could say, uh, I suppose it's not like this, but you could say, oh, if I'd invested in, like, SpaceX when I was 10, <laughs> I'd be a zillionaire by now, but I'm not, so yeah. my life is shit, so I'm going <laughs> to dig up some landfills. <laughs> well, that was the thing that they said on, uh, on the last thing on that article that stuck in my mind was that I think it said something like, it's something between 20 and 30% of all Bitcoin is unaccounted for. As in, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's locked away on hard drives and things that have been thrown away, basically. I'm sure I Easy. did I'm sure I did it back in, like, 2010 or something. Really? I, I tried to mine a Bitcoin. I'm sure I did, yeah. Yeah, and it maybe... Like I, one or two. I mean, even that is, like, mm-hmm. eight, could be 80K. I mean, there's, there's fees involved in transferring it to fiat, but, you, you know, you could get half or 60% of, of 80k is still considerable amount of money. Yeah. But you're not worried about it, are you, Phil? Easy come, easy go. Exactly. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What matters is now. Exactly, Maslow, yeah. <laughs> Don't need it. As long as your immediate needs are met and you've got a roof over your head, you're warm and you can eat, eat healthily and look after your family, what, what else do you need? More money, more problems. Yeah. I'll and never be able to retire. Time, like. Don't worry about the last big thing. Look for the next big thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, you mentioned SpaceX. Elon has become the richest man in the world, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, I think he was the richest man, and then he lost about $13 billion off his value, and now he's the second richest man. Was that from a tweet that he tweeted? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's Probably. Funny. Something to do with something. Probably when they realised... Something came out, uh, current production of... Um, the current rate of production of Teslas, it would take something like 1,400 years for Tesla to produce the amount of money or return or whatever that's been invested in the stock market. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Bill, uh, sorry? I was going to say, Tesla's just one of his side projects, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's just, a, just a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's huge, but it's... <laughs> not SpaceX. Was he one of the founders of PayPal? Yeah, and he sold it. PayPal, yeah. It was PayPal and he yeah, and he sold it. He got um, 200 million, I think. Wasn't wasn't Dorsey, Jack Dorsey, the head of Twitter, founder of PayPal as well? I don't know, might be. He's he's sporting a fantastic beard these days, Jack Dorsey. Ugh. If you've seen him recently. Fucking Satan. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, Parler got shut down this week, didn't it? Yeah, I saw an interesting article in The Guardian saying, like, um, look at all these 
like right wing politicians, conservative MPs who were on this cesspit <laughs> parlor with all these Trump supporters. And I just thought, oh, well, you don't know what they were actually saying on there. They, I don't think they were being racist or xenophobic or whatever, particularly themselves. There might be people on there doing that. Amazon. However many there are on Parlour, there are hundreds <laughs> of thousands of times more on Twitter. Well, that's what came to my mind as well. Like, the fucking awfulness that's on there. Twitter Jesus. is a helping. Yeah. The first thing that happened was the App Store and Google Play removed Parlour from their services. That was the first move. On the same day, I think, or 24 hours apart. So you couldn't download the app if you had an iPhone or an Android. And then to take it even a step further, Amazon, Amazon's biggest part of their business is web hosting. And one of the biggest parts of their business is hosting for things like the US military and the US state. They take yeah. they are, they have massive contracts with the United States for web hosting, yeah. and uh, they host Parler, Amazon servers provide the 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 ser- uh, hosting for Parler. So Amazon removed their service. That was it. Gone. Parler's gone. No hosting provider. Mm. And they did it yeah. on the back. The justification was they found eighty, I think, parlays. <laughs> that were either racist or inciting violence or something. 80. It's crazy, isn't it? The stuff that gets posted online, <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, all of them. But that's a, that's a, a step, that's another step. Removing your hosting services, yeah. that, that's banning someone from, mm-hmm. the, from the internet. It's wiping them off the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a dangerous road. This censor- the way this censorship is going, and being decided by companies as well, private companies. Yeah, and they mm. go and the common refrain is, um, they're a private company. If Twitter wants to get rid of Donald Donald Trump, they're a private company. They can do anything mm. they want. All right, <laughs> tell that to your barber shop, or your or your or your cos or your you know your nail cl- nail bar. They're a private company. Can they do anything they want? No, they can't even mm. fucking open. Mm. They've been short. Um, at least Angela Merkel came out and said it was a bad move. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that was more about Donald Trump, wasn't it, rather than Parler, but she might have been talking about Parler as well. It's uh, it's it's verging on monopolisation. Mm. Twitter, Facebook, mm. Google, YouTube. Well, this is quite interesting because there was, there was building, I believe, in America, wasn't there, towards that kind of thing of it of Facebook certainly and possibly Google being broken up in the same way, you know, at the beginning of the 20th century, um, businesses were broken up then. Was it, I can't remember the name of the oil company that was broken up because mm. um, it had a monopoly. Um, but yeah, things like that essentially. Well, when, when uh, Twitter chucked off the orange man, orange man <laughs> bad, um, I was looking and, Lots of people who we were following, they started losing followers overnight, exponentially. And it was people mm. saying, we've had enough of this censorship, we're going to Parler. And they all went uh, to Parler. And then right. Parler gets taken down. So what What do those people do now? 
It was a trap all along. <laughs> well, what this... tends to happen is it probably get more and more extreme, um, and it'll resurface somewhere else or something worse, probably. I imagine that's well, what will happen. These... 4chan or something. Yeah, these people who were who were sort of pro free speech have been rendered homeless on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. The element of. Um... Because there are some, like I say, there are shits everywhere. But the element that are shits that are are going to be looking at causing problems and using free speech as a cover for that. Ideally, you want to be able to see what they're up to, and this is going to push that that mm-hmm. element of person underground. And you're not yeah. going to be able to see what they're up to. You're not going to be able to see what what bile they're posting on on social media, and that's potentially more dangerous than just having it having it on visible yeah. whatsapp and what's the other one is it called signal telegram signal, telegram yeah signal yeah whatsapp are, are quaking in the boots now mm. because they released this um disclaimer that they're going to start sharing all your data with facebook because facebook owns whatsapp and so oh, right. overnight you will have had the message i keep putting it off and putting it off it comes in I at the end comes in at the end of the month i think they're going to share all your contacts and and your phone numbers with facebook and so what happened is overnight signal became the number one app in the app store did that not get switched off recently no no. so now whatsapp damage control they're putting out press releases saying oh we we think we're reconsidering what we're going to do about this because (laughs) that's what it's people there's an old uh maxim in um marketing and that is if it's free, you're the product. Well, exactly, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just all about data, isn't it, Facebook? That's how they make all of the money. Yeah, and paid advertising. Selling you, yeah, selling your stuff. Yeah. What does this person do? What does his day look like? An average thing. Yeah. And with machine learning, this this information is becoming so useful, and mm. it's going to be so useful. I'm considering going OTG now. Really? Right. Yeah, getting a flip phone. That's appealing. How are we going to do the podcast? <laughs> don't, need, don't use the phone. You would just yeah. use a tablet, you know, I'll maybe use a tablet at home, use a different operating system or a different um, web browser, get off Google and just use a flip phone, buy a friggin' A to Z, like I used to do when I was an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Seemed to manage all right. Yeah, it's concerning. I think a worthwhile experiment, I feel. Mm. Yeah. Plus, cleanse yourself. The problem is, is the, you know, we sort of, I hate social media, but we have to use it because of this. Yeah, we. you would have to keep a laptop, wouldn't you, for this? And um, our WhatsApp groups. Of course. Yeah. That's the only issue. Sweet memes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have, uh, have either of you seen um, WandaVision yet? I caught the first two episodes last night, and I, I did notice. I've just I'm just saying because I've spotted it again. But the roadcaster at the end of the first episode, there's a, a roadcaster makes a, an appearance hmm. in, a, in a short scene. No, I've not uh, not Spoiler. watched it yet. It's got good reviews, hasn't it? So I might watch yeah, it. Yeah, I, I quite liked it. You're telling me Vision anyway. and Wanda Maximoff are starting a podcast. Yeah, yeah. No spoiler. Spoiler-free review, please, Ben. Um, it's 
got good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. How many maps? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I'm very much aware that that's I'm not I'm not the best barometer. Okay. I'm not gonna watch it, so you spoil away for me. Well you're OTG, so you're gonna have to delete Netflix yeah. and stuff anyway. Nah, mm-hmm. I don't watch it. I don't want to TV. My wife works with somebody who doesn't have a television. Good. Next level. Yeah. Uh I think the world Probably be a better place without them. That phones, you mean? Yeah, phones or te- and television. Television. I think I'm turning this... into the Unabomber. You know, if it wasn't phones or televisions, it would be the, the wireless. If it's not the wireless, then it would be the stars. And if it's not the stars, it'd be fire. Look at him. He just stares at that fire all night. What's he fucking looking at? The images yeah. on the cave. Play, we're going back to Plato's cave allegory, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, I think uh, we're sort of entertaining ourselves to death, really, most of the time. There's a lot of escapism involved in Netflix and um, TV and stuff. It means you don't have to think, doesn't it? That's what it is. Yeah, that's a lot of it, isn't it? Just switching off and just consuming media because you've got time to kill before you go to bed. It's sort of... Mm doesn't really do a lot for you. There's mm. very little that appeals to me on, on TV these days. Mm-hmm. Um. Right. Are we done? Are we spent? Is that it? Is that it? Okay. So. Well, I'm, right. there was a long pause, so... Why is that, why is that yellow button flashing? It's a, a pause button. Yeah, what's, what's this meant? What's paused? Finish it off. Um, it's the wrong thing, I think. Oh, well. A man and a woman. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. A man and a woman. Right, should we do one then? Yeah, yeah. let's get out of here. Right. I'll see you, uh, see you next time. Mm. Yeah, Wakanda forever. Build back better. Yeah. Gary Kidgel next week. Esoteric astronomy coming in your ears. Again. Why not? Yeah. Right. Okay, we'll sign off for this week. Thanks for listening. Build back better. Yeah, praise Javelin. Praise Javelin. Ta-ra. Love you, bye. Special deposit. Oh, shit. Fuck. Delightful. And we bought her score. He's a homophobe and he's a misogynist. Fucking vegan. You're semi. Like a judgment day and terminating mode like. Execute order 69, dudes! Oh my.